You are listening to the Photo Bomb Podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boure and Gary. Welcome to the Photo Bomb Podcast. My name is Boure Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. Guten Tag, Boure. Guten Tag. Is that German? I think so. Is that German? I, it is. I was oh, good. <laughs> I was I was musing actually on the way over here today about um I drove by an IHOP you know the International House of Pancakes International and I was thinking is it House. truly international it is international like is it is it like do people come in yes. and, and from from all all parts of the world because it says International House of Pancakes they travel from the world wide ever over is, they is travel it, from everywhere Gary is it that the menu is international and if so. How was it international? <laughs> well, you can get you can get the French pancakes, also known as crepes. Yes, crepes. Hello, good morning. Do you have a crepes and a cigarette, please, for me and my and my family? Uh, my stinky do not shower family. <laughs> that's a little um, stereotypical, but that's yes, fine. it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, and the cigarette thing is not. <laughs> Yes, it is. Okay. Right. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yes, good morning. I would like to have the lingonberry pancakes, please. The lingonberry? Lingonberries. You don't have lingonberries? What's a lingonberry? Ling- I don't know. They, I, I'm assuming some Germany and Austria, they have just tons of lingonberries. Okay. I, no idea <laughs> what that a, is. It's a thing people put on pancakes. Speaking of not knowing what something is. Oh, my uh, God. Here's Here a little go. something. All you know, right. you can do this forever and then still come across something that you're, you think, you know, uh, apparently I'm the only person who, know, who doesn't know what that is. You're talking about sex. No, okay. I'm not. I'm not. Oh, I know what it is. I have very little practice, but I know <laughs> what it is. All right. So I was up in Jacksonville. We'll talk about that on another show. But I was in Jacksonville, and I was talking to our good Kevin up there, friend Kevin Floyd. And um, I went to see his studio, and he was showing me this thing that he had built so that he could teach people garage lighting. And then I was reading your book today because you asked me to take a good look at your book. I which, gave you which, a pre-release digital which, company. Which, by the way, it's just fantastic. Oh, thanks. It is it, it, so, I mean, overflowing with information. It's, it's, it, it's, it's so obvious that you, because I know the whole process, you were just pulling your hair out because you were like, I really want this to be good. And man, you pulled it off. Thanks. You man. really did. I appreciate it's, that. I mean, it's, it's chock full of information. And there's a page in there that talks about Garage lighting. And until this week, I had never heard the term. Never heard garage lighting? I had never heard the term garage lighting. Would you care to enlighten our audience? Sure, yeah. Garage lighting is essentially exactly what it sounds like. It's, It's lighting inside the opening, inside of an opening. So essentially, it's usually straight on. It's usually pretty soft. Like when you open a garage door and you stand someone inside, you as long as there's not direct sunlight, you usually get beautiful, flat, you know, really nice light that falls off really quickly back into the recesses of a dark room like a garage. So you can create garage lighting under an overhang on a sidewalk or anywhere that basically the light is blocked from coming in except for directly from the front. And so um, the, it, it works best inside like an opening, like a doorway, a garage. You can do it with your back to a window, whatever, typically. But it's like Sue Bryce, a lot of her stuff, that flat, soft light. Right. It's very much kind of garage lighting. And it's very popular. It's very flattering. And you can do it on location almost anywhere. You can find good garage lights somewhere. But there is, a, there is a good way to do it and a bad way to do it. Because what happens is most people do it actually in a garage or in an opening or under an overhang. And typically, you've got a sidewalk, which is usually white or light gray. And so if you are have a lot of light coming in and it's coming up from underneath because it bounces off the light ground underneath them. And so you see a lot of garage light where it's a little too underlit, too lit from underneath. And so that's part of, that's that entry in my book is basically like 
watch the light bouncing up from the ground when using garage light because it can make your picture look like crap. I never heard it called that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm aware of it. I do it. I understand that lighting. I'm using a giant uh, Paul Buff PLM uh, to, you know, which basically is to recreate that look. Yeah, you do garage light all the time. Yeah, sure. But I never heard it called garage light. And then in the course of like three days, I come across it twice. Is that like when you buy a car and then you see that same car car everywhere? everywhere? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) You've never really seen it. Until you you pay attention to something, you've never seen it. I've heard certain photographers talk about garage light in terms of it being like almost like a dirty word because it's typically, it's not directional. It's not classic portrait lighting. Right. But it's also very flattering. People love how they look in garage light, you know, and and so, you know, it's a really Well that's the bottom line. It's a really sellable look. Garage light is extremely sellable. And so you want to be able to, um, you know, have that. Uh, to me, I like having it in the in the uh, the repertoire of things that I. Uh, in the repertoire. Well, we're on a French theme today. When you're in the repertoire, it, the garage lighting, it's on a shelf next to the Lincolnberry. <laughs> next to the Lincolnberry. The Lincolnberry. <laughs> Not a Lincolnberry. <laughs> Let's. You know what we got it. This isn't a berry that's at Ford's Theater being killed. No, this is rather. Wow. This is rather wow. a Lingen berry? It's not an overpriced, gigantic luxury car berry. No. Is it some... Lingen? It's not a Matthew McConaughey berry. Is that some type of actual berry? Lingen berry. Yes. I'm going to Google Lingen, it right Please now. don't. Why don't you... We have a guest and stuff. Yeah, we why don't you do. introduce our guest while I, while I look up Lingen berry? All right. Joining us on the show is uh, a good friend of ours uh, who uh, is also a counselor. 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 Sure. Everybody, counselor. Counselor. Yeah. And uh, its name is Pete Rezac. Pete, Pete is... Uh, are you there, Pete? I'm here. All right. And you're in Reno, right? Reno, Nevada? I am. I'm in Reno, yes. We're recording this show, uh, I don't know, 11 o'clock our time, which means it's god-awful early in, yeah. uh, for uh, Pete uh, in Reno. And we want to thank you so much for joining us this early. Uh, well, I appreciate it. I've already had some coffee, so I'm ready to roll. Yeah, well, you, you got up. You must have got up ungodly early. Is this like the most exciting thing that's happened to you in a long time, being on the Photobomb podcast? If this week, how's that? <laughs> well, listen, and if you could, what you need to do is when you're finished with the show, hop in the car, drive over to the IHOP, get yourself some lingonberry pancakes, hey, and just cap off the entire day with excitement. I've that. We, we actually have an IHOP just down the road. So. Well, it's international, Pete. The IHOP is international. They're wow. everywhere. Okay, by the way, before we go on, Pete, and I apologize for this, uh, Vicinium Vitis Idea lingonberry is short is a short evergreen shrub in the heath family that bears edible fruit native to the boreal forest and arctic tundra throughout the northern hemisphere from eurasia to north america lingonberries are picked in the wild and used to accompany a variety of dishes in northern balto scandia whatever wow. that is yeah commercial cultivation is undertaken in the u.s pacific northwest wow there's nothing like a good Latin definition to really make a joke sore. <laughs> there are people. My sister is a, my sister's a scientist, and so she studies, she's an environmental scientist and studies bats and birds and plants right. and stuff. And she's really annoying to hang out with because she knows the scientific name for everything, and she loves to, to show it. Right. And she actually posted on her Facebook page uh, a couple days ago, and it was a news article that used the scientific definitions. And she's like, finally, a news outlet actually using the, the proper names for things. And all I'm thinking is, you're such a dork. You know? Every time I say that, all I can think of is, wild E. Coyote. <laughs> Canius genius. <laughs> oh, all right. So, Pete, I want to have oh, you yeah, on the we show. Have, we have a guest. We hey, have a Pete. guest. Pete's a wonderful yeah. photographer, a fantastic photographer, and I really wanted to have Pete on the show because I really wanted him to talk about what he's been doing with black and white portraiture with kids. Uh, I saw his work in competition, and it looks very much like now that I have a studio in my home again, uh, and I've been thinking, what do I want to start doing just kind of for myself as a project or for, of my family? What do I really like? 
and I really wanted to start doing more black and white and more toned stuff, kind of a sepia toned stuff. And then I saw some of Pete's stuff, and I thought, well, great, because now everyone's going to think I ripped off Pete, because Pete right. is doing it wonderfully. I will tell you, a lot of people are going to be ripping off Pete. And two years ago, I had no idea who this guy was, and all of a sudden I start seeing this work, and I actually saw some of his images go through at the IPC last year. I've seen images online, magazine, right. or whatever, and it just sort of it stands out so It really much. does. It's really So, Pete... How's it going today? Well, what man, inspired I, what inspired I, I, your portraits, I got, man? I got to dial my head down here a little bit after that introduction. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> no, we'll say bad stuff about you later. But we're excited to have you because you're doing really. I love you're doing single subject mostly portraiture, really great character stuff, really simple stuff that and a lot. And you actually do shoot film too. Is that right? Uh, that is correct. In fact, I had uh, three entries in this year at uh, IPC that I uh, shot on large format film, so I was really pleased with how they did. So, um, But, yeah, single subject in black and white. Uh, when I learned photography, uh, when I was living in Alaska, um, it was in a black and white wet darkroom. And I tell you what, that was the first time that I really kind of was exposed to uh, the, the failure and the misery that photography can t- can bring to a person with uh, with uh, developing film and trying to get it to, to work out um, and only to open up the de- uh, development tank to be horribly disappointed. Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, those when you do those large format and sp- and we're talking large format, are you using like a four by five camera? I am using a four by five camera. I uh, I purchased a, a Sinar F two here a couple of years ago. Uh, I actually had a, an old speed graphic that I bought about eight years ago, but um, I knew I wanted to get a little higher quality or have some higher quality lenses, so I moved to the Sinar here a few years ago, and I got it for ridiculously cheap. Um, you know, for a camera and a lens and three film holders, I think I was into it for under $500. Which, oh, wow. Oh. Uh, you know, I mean, we can sneeze uh, anything that's got the word tied to photography on it and spend 500 bucks. Yeah, I have talked to, I talk to people a lot about, um, you know, sandbags and weights for light stands and stuff. And I just go to Walmart and buy the old lady, like, ankle weights to go. Right. <laughs> and I use those as Because right. you buy a photography sandbag, it's like 100 bucks, And I get, like, the ankle weights for 10 Yeah, yeah. If, but if they said ankle weights with photography, right, you could, uh, can make a fortune on that. But anyway, that was kind of my entry onto that. But I, I love the process of working with it. And then also, um, I'm kind of a simple guy. I, I have a hard time putting together big complex sets and whatnot. And so I just, uh, at, at one point in time, you know, they say if you find yourself in a hole, quit digging. Uh, I quit digging when I realized that these big complicated sets just weren't for me. And so going simple and then working with, uh, with black and white and then the old film cameras, that just seemed to be a really natural fit for me. Uh, and things have been pretty good since uh, since I came to that realization. So yeah. that I don't forget, Pete, when we're done here, would you send me some of your stuff um, so that I can get it onto the Photobomb Podcast Facebook page so people will sure. be able to look and see exactly what we're talking about? And we'll put about. a link in the show notes, yeah. too, which would be... Here's what I want to do is... Um, Walk me through your lighting when you're, when you're doing a studio shot. And one of the things, first of all, let's preface that by saying that a lot of the stuff I've seen uh, that you're doing, you're doing an old-timey sports feel. Yeah, so, so let me tell you how I came about this. Um, uh, when I, as I started to go into single subject and just kind of keeping things clean, I was doing a lot of, you know, high key against light background. And then eventually I started kind of working towards uh, towards the darker backgrounds. And I had this little guy came in here about three or four years ago and his mom commissioned me to, to do some pictures of him as a, you know, for baseball, he'd play baseball, soccer, football, whatnot. And so we came in and, and we made these pictures, but 
Uh, when we came to do the baseball pictures, he had these black stickers that they use for eye black. And, um, and I, I really liked uh, how these pictures were, were turning out. But then, uh, so I, I got an image that I, that I really loved. And then I, I took it to the, to the mentor booth session at Imaging USA, which has just been an invaluable tool for me too, to, to grow with. And I sat down with the, one of the jurors there and um, her name was Sarah Johnson. And she started looking at the image. She goes, I really like what that is, but there's just something about those, those eye black, you know, that just kind of looks a little, they don't look, they don't look real or they don't look authentic. And that word authentic is what really hit me. Because it's a um, sticker as opposed to actually being shoe a, polish. It's a, it's a sticker, right? It, it just doesn't quite quite look right. It's modern. And so and so when I, I, I came back and that, that word authentic really kind of st- stuck with me. And then uh, and but then also the, the clothing that the that the uh, this little guy was wearing was, you know, under armor and a strap back hat. And it was all modern, kind of like the little modern little major leaguers that, that, that we see, you know, you, sometimes you forget their kids. And then I saw the movie, the Sandlot and, uh, you're man, a lot of me, things. Smalls. You're killing me smalls forever right? <laughs> and, and all that. And just their love. And so I was like, Hey, you know what? I love the fact that they're loving, they're playing baseball and all of that. And then, uh, so that was kind of some inspiration. And then, um, and then I found the eye black, crayon or also known as black lipstick right and then we started to do (laughs) started to do some you know uh and and then the pictures just started to look right and they were authentic uh at capture as opposed to trying to do all this stuff in in post-production so that was kind of the the first step in that whole process and then a little bit later this year i actually uh i had a client in and he plays senior softball I, i i don't know exactly how old he is but you know, he's got to be in his 60s or mid 60s. And he saw one of these pictures that I, I do of the, the kids. And he was like, hey, he goes, I, I remember doing that. And he goes, you know what we used to use is we used to use uh, old wine corks and we'd burn them and, and use that right, for the eye right. black. Burnt and cork. it was like, ah, bingo, right? That's amazing. And I mean, I could have I could have just hugged that guy right then and there. And, you and should have. Whatnot. That would have been a nice moment for you two. Yeah. Oh, you know, a Kodak moment. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the the puns. <laughs> the puns. But anyway, that added a whole nother level of authenticity to it. And then also it just worked great for, uh, you know, for dirt and whatnot. Um, and that was the other thing is I would I would have these kids come in initially and they wouldn't be dirty enough. So I would send them out. And have them get uh, even dirtier. I mean, I had a, I had some clients like, no, you got to go over the to the middle school field over here and just go have them wrestle around for, you know, a half hour, forty five minutes. You can't be dirty enough, right? And that all leads into that being authentic. And so that's kind of where that's taken me. And uh, and we've had some great success with it. And then it's also kind of a unique product too. So and then coupled with shooting on film and. And all that, it's just now, kind of a win-win. Are you shooting? Are you shooting these studio portraits? Are you shooting this stuff on film? Yeah. So I, uh, I actually work with three cameras. I start out with the digital, and that's kind of become my Polaroid, right? It's I was just going to mention, like, are you using? I've seen people who shoot film, and they'll take a digital camera and they'll do all the test shots digital, and then because those plates, like, just to do one exposure on a four by five camera, is it's pretty expensive. Yeah, yeah, it's costing money there. And, of course, we don't know what we're going to see until we pull it out of the tank. Um, but I just want to confirm lighting that everything looks right there on that. And then, of course, we'll make a few of those. And who knows? We might get an expression on digital that we might not see on film or vice versa. 
Uh, and then I'll work into a medium format camera, and I'll use an old uh, Hasselblad 500CM that I have, and then also a, a Mamiya RZ67. And then finally, I'll wrap up with the 4x5, because uh, we've got six sheets that will we'll do the, the exposures on that. And generally, by that point, we've really kind of got everything dialed in, and that's what I'm hoping uh, for the final product to be to be recorded on. Do you have any trouble finding film for that camera? <laughs> no. No, actually, uh, on the... on because I'm using black and white, uh, there's a uh, a supplier in Southern California that still has four by five black and white film readily available. I thought uh, you'd have to go to Urban Outfitters and buy them from the hipsters. <laughs> 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 I have a question. I'm sitting here looking at your website, Pete, and yeah. your your regular family portraits. Because obviously you're in Reno, so you have a lot of really cool landscapes around in the Nevada area. And you, yeah. you but your typical family portrait stuff is so bright and 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 poppy. You know, and and I'm interested in the in in your work as the the black and white portraits that you do there are so moody and dark, you know. But the subject matter is really lighthearted, so it's a really interesting juxtaposition between how you transition to that style, but you're still doing whimsical with very dark overtones. It's a very cool style, and I'm I'm interested in um, which of these styles is 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 you. Which one do you love the most? Because it seems like you're creating these really great sellable images for your clients with these great landscapes and very well lit and bright. But then it seems like what comes out of you is is a little darker. Yeah. Well. Uh, so of course, uh, family portraits are a big portion of my business that that keeps everything going on day to day, and it, and uh, everyone wants to have those those beautiful color portraits, and so uh, so I still do a lot of that. What I do on everything is I light everything. So I uh, I'm I mimic what I do in the studio outside with uh, with studio lighting. I have a, you know I've got a a cart that I've built. I affectionately refer to her as Lola. She doesn't eat much. She doesn't talk much and does her job really well. Um, but and and I'm metering the light. I'm I'm metering the light regardless if I'm inside or outside, so that we have those predictable and repeatable results. So. Um, so of course, with the families, we want want them to pop. I always tell my clients when we meet, "Hey, I want people to see you first, and go, "Hey, you look great," as opposed to, "Hey, where was that?" <laughs> yeah, that's, that's 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 a really interesting. It's actually a very thought. good point. Yeah. yeah, it's a very good point. I I always uh, I always feel that maybe I haven't quite done my job if people are more interested on where that picture was taken rather than what the subjects look like. So that's important to me. And you see that um, you see that sometimes with family portraits, especially here working on the beach, where the photographer wants to pull back to show this beautiful vista, and you think, well, no, no, you really want them to be looking at the people. Exactly, but you also want to shoot in a way that you can you can create a wall portrait out of it as well. But I think that through posing and lighting, you can accomplish both of those. But it's important to be able to say, hey, you know, we want we want everyone to enjoy the family and, and that. Let's now, talk is, in. Re- Go in ahead. regards to in regards to the darker work um, in the studio, I mean, I love low key uh, portraiture. I mean, I love to look at it. It's just something that, I mean, it's just something that I've always enjoyed. And I also uh, um, of the camp that we produce pictures that we love to look at. So, so that's what uh, where that kind of comes from. So there. let's talk about the lighting. That you're using yeah. on the studio work. Hey, would you please give Bure a detailed you, map of your lighting yes. so that he can steal it? Could you please <laughs> speak slowly and in great detail because about he will exactly be how you are yeah. lighting your... I mean, I know how I plan to light it. I have some ideas anyway, but uh, anything I can steal from you, Pete, would be welcome. 
Hey, you know what? I'm happy to I'm happy to, to share what I do. Um, basically, I, I use about a 60 inch source for my main light. Um, I've used uh, when I first started in business, I used to use a, a soft lighter and it was 60 inches. And I don't know why I picked that just because I think somebody said, hey, that's what you want to use. And so I started to use it. And that's nothing more than an umbrella with some diffusion on it. Uh, and I used that for years. And then here a couple of years ago, I went to uh, an overhead rail system uh, to hang my lights from my ceiling as opposed to on stands because we do photograph a lot of kids and it just gives us a little more room and we don't have to worry about anyone tripping over stands and whatnot. Uh, but the problem is, is when I went to that, uh, the lights, they pivot on the uh, on the connection point to uh, reverse. And so that umbrella uh, would get all kinds of folded up and, and whatnot and actually aimed at the ceiling. So uh, I switched to, uh, I wanted to have a 60-inch source because that's what I knew, and, and I went with a uh, uh, an Octobot. And it became clear to me once I was assembling that thing after I uh, uh, almost lost my eyes twice from, from those rods popping out. Yeah. <laughs> they don't tell you about that when you buy an Octobot. Yeah, they don't tell you what the, what's involved with the assembly of those things. But uh, it became clear to me once I got that assembled and then once I got it connected on there that that thing was never going to come off. That thing was going to be married to that light. And so... Uh, a couple of reasons. If I took it off, I don't know where the heck I would put it because I work in a very small space. Uh, but so that's what I use. And I just I, I love the uh, I love the quality of the light that comes off of off of that large source like that. And then I also use an accent light um, just to add a little a little separation. And then I actually also use a uh, a background light with a 20 degree spot, just aimed uh, slightly opposite. Um, of the main light so that we kind of get some nice light harmony going across the uh, the image where we'll go dark to light to dark to light across the across the image. Yeah, I'm just and looking at the here. stuff, your your PPA merit images on your website, and, I mean, the lighting is so, like, considering how you're not over-lighting it, I mean, it's just, it's so precise. Yeah, well, then, and the light meter helps me on that. Uh, I affectionately call to that uh, as the photographer's tape measure uh, because I do want it to be precise. Um, you know, I still like to say that I practice the craft of photography and any craftsman, uh, regardless of you're a photographer or carpenter or, you know, building cars or, or cameras, uh, are going to use a, a measuring instrument to ensure that precision. Um, and so that's what the light meter is to me. Uh, to to help ensure that, so I I have very specific values that I want to use for my main, my fill, my accent, and my background light, um, and I'm happy to tell you what those are if, if, if that's of interest for you. I'm writing. Um, I'm writing. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, he I literally has a pen and paper out. <laughs> so when I'm on did, when I'm shooting the digital uh, side of things, I like to to light uh, on the highlight side at about f11. And when I'm uh, shooting the medium format film, I like to have my shadow metering at about f16, and when we go to the large format, about f32. Now and that's going to be um, relatively similar depths of field because you're increasing the size of the medium. That's correct. I think that's, that's the thing people don't understand about right. about depth of field that you have to compensate. If you go to a larger medium, then that's going to exaggerate the shallow depth of field a lot. So f11 on a four by five camera is going to look like f4 on a digital. Oh yeah, digital. right. Yeah, you 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 don't leave your and the, and the reason why I picked those uh, those apertures to work with is I've got 
I'm working with kids, and so they're they're moving around. You know, I have them stand on a box so they don't go wandering on me. But I mean, they're you know they're leaning back and forth and whatnot. And so I've got to have at least a a a, a range of depth of field that they can kind of move around in, and we can still keep things sharp, especially when we get into to working with the four by five. Because once we've got that focused and we put the film in, I I have no idea, you know. Um, if they've stayed where I need them to stay or whatnot. So we Let me back that up a little bit because that's a great little takeaway right there is you put the kids on a box, not because you need the height, but because it keeps them from moving around. Yeah, that's I, actually a great I, idea. I did that with, we did Ellie's 18-month portraits last week, and I did the exact same thing. Put, put them on, on a box. box. They won't step off yeah. the box. They'll stay <laughs> right where you put them. That, that's exactly it's it. It's a great <laughs> idea. I've never thought of that. Really? Well, I don't do that many kids, yeah, to be I honest. Guess, that's that's yeah. probably true. Yeah. Well, most parents frown that if you put them in the freezer for a few hours, you know. So yeah. That, yeah I'm gonna go. All right. Let's go. I want. Let's talk about the film part now. Let's talk yeah. about the medium format. Let's talk about shooting film and yeah. and why. I mean, what you know is what what pulled you to film? What pulled you to medium format? It's a it's a considerable expense. It's a considerable risk. And digital well, cameras are so good nowadays. And so whenever I meet somebody who says, "Oh, I really want to shoot large format film." I, you know, I don't know. It's like a guy who says, "I want to build a train set in my in my basement." You just go. The idea sounds cool, but it seems like a lot of work. It does seem like a huge pain in the ass. Pete. Yeah. Well, you know, and it is a huge pain in the ass at times. But let me tell you, um, I'm not here to say that that one medium's better than the other. I just I I love working with it. I love the fact that there's so much opportunity to screw up, uh, so that when we get something that comes out of there that's successful, it just it's very rewarding for me. Personally. So you get off on the degree of difficulty. Like you feel yeah. better about you as an artist when you're doing something that's harder. Yeah. Well, I mean, I tell you what, from loading the film, I mean, I, I could screw it up from loading the film. Then, you know, when we go to make the exposure, did, you know, did I forget to close the lens? Did I do all this stuff? You know, there's there's all types of situations there to screw this up. That's funny because so Blu-ray that, puts the, the memory card in his camera backwards a lot. Sure. Sure. <laughs> if at all. <laughs> So, so when it comes out, it's really rewarding. But I will also tell you um, that there is a there's a look about a large format image that just comes out. The fidelity of that image is just amazing, and uh, it on screen it doesn't even uh, it doesn't translate to what it. I was just gonna like. say like you, and no one will ever get to see how that fidelity when you're trying to show your pictures to people on Facebook and social media. It's literally like you just you can't see how beautiful it's got to be printed. Yeah, we've got it's, some we've got yeah. some film prints that Tim Kelly shot for us of of, of Ellie and, and Grandpa together, and like the, the print quality is just unbelievable. And they they were shot with. Film. Here's the other thing too: it completely solves the problem of your clients wanting the digital image. Yeah, <laughs> there's no digital image to sell. Yeah, there's there no, is no di- there is no digital image. I'd love to sell is, it to you, but it, we don't have it. Sorry. It's helped to really solve uh, the the problem that I had at one uh, was overshooting it's kind of hard to overshoot with film too you either got uh, 12 or uh, 10 or 12 exposures on the medium format or six uh, on the large format so uh, it's really forced me to really slow down and examine and make sure we've got it before I you know trip the button so I was listening to an interview with uh, Aziz Ansaria yeah know, Aziz, the comedian, the comedian yeah. and he actually uh, has a film camera they were asking him, like, what are your hobbies and stuff? And he said, I like old cameras and I like film cameras. And they said, why? And he said, you know, he goes, I actually, I like taking the film to the store and dropping it off and then coming back a week later and, you, and seeing your pictures from your trip. He said, I actually like that 
that waiting to see my pictures. Slowing things down there's a little a, bit. Yeah, there's a nice, satisfaction yeah. in it as opposed to taking it immediately on my phone. It, it's a huge satisfaction. I mean, I, I, I love that. It's it's one of the things that drives me. But, um, And you just never know. But again, I love the process from start to end Let's and talk having a, my hands involved with it. We'll talk a little bit about the business aspect of yeah, it, though, yeah, because this is what I'm, what I'm most interested in. I mean, it's really – okay, you make pretty pictures. That's really nice. Um, so lots of people make pretty pictures. What I'm interested in is, does the does the film is the film something that you do for clients that um, that will set you apart? How do you market it, and and how do you present that option to your clients? So, I I, I use these as their commission. These are commission portraits. Your commission. My clients are specifically commissioning me to create these. Um, much uh, I like an example. Much like uh, you would commission a portrait painter uh, to come in. They, they, they like how you position them in the world or they like the technique that, uh, that you're doing. And so we'll sit down and, and, and uh, meet with our clients uh, in advance and kind of talk to them about what's going on and saying, hey, you know, we're not going to take a bunch of pictures here. We're going to take, you know, maybe 30. Um, and from those 30, I'm going to pick my favorite from each pose. And that's what we will show you um, and then I will, you know, I'll pick my favorite from each pose, and that's and that's what we're going to show, and with the ultimate uh, that we're working towards, you know, one. If they want to pick, purchase others, then certainly we can do that. But and is the con- I, I, the concept I, I, for the portrait yours specifically, or do you work with the clients to come up with that? Yeah, no, uh, mine. They're they're coming to me because they like the fact that I'm doing either the baseball or the football, um, you know, the children's character portrait that we are putting it into that, um, and. You know, there, there's the volume sports guys that go and document all of this stuff. I'm looking for that, you know, that age range, you know, seven to ten in there, um, to go. Hey, let's make something really solid for you that you're going to enjoy for years, right? So that 20 years from now, 30 years from now, when mom's looking at this, uh, looking at this portrait, she can remember, you know, sitting out there in all the crummy weather, all the the games that went on forever, just to wait for each child to like make a hit or or whatnot. That when they look back at it, they can remember, you know, it was because of the love of the game rather than, you know, all that, all those sacrifices were all worthwhile uh, to do that. And here's just a, you know, captivating image uh, to remember that by. Well, I think that's awesome. Um, and what I want to ask you again, business wise, is, is you're doing something that really stands out. And I think that people gravitate towards something that's unique. Are there people in your area? Obviously, since you are involved with PPA and you're a counselor and you judge and you do all this stuff, there are going to be people in the association and photographers all over the place that will imitate your work. Is there anybody in your market who's picked up on what you're doing and has started to try and imitate it? Not that I've uh, witnessed yet. (laughs) (laughs) So it'll happen. Yeah, it'll happen. So where are the... um, It'll happen. But you know that's part of also working with the with the you know the with the film and large format cameras. I mean, you can you can put it together, but that look a lot of that look comes from the tools that that we use. Right, so, the finished product is going to be completely different than what somebody else using a digital camera is going to be able to do. It, exactly. Now, um, where here's the, here's the real money question: Where are you getting the clients that are interested in this type of work? How do you get your clients? Where do they come from? And, and how well, what are you doing to market this? So, uh, being, you know, getting, uh, introduced to the baseball leagues or the sports leagues and finding the influential parents that, uh, are in that. And once they, uh, commission and do that, then they see the old story, you know, they tell two friends and so on and so on and so on and so on. So, 
How are you uh, creating those relationships? Because, I mean, are you, do you have kids that play sports and that's how you're getting in there? Or are you just like the weird, creepy guy that shows up alone to the baseball field <laughs> and starts talking to people? Well, With a giant camera. With a giant, hey, <laughs> hey, I want to take your kid's picture. <laughs> like Ansel Adams with a giant box camera. <laughs> with a big wooden tripod, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, when, hey, when come I, over when here, I, son. Come over here, son. Hey, hey, let me son. take your picture. Come on. You with the big. <laughs> you got Moxie, son. I like Moxie, it. You got Moxie. Moxie. You got Moxie. All right. Sorry, Pete. Sorry, Pete. He's trying to educate us here. It it started with you know from my original client base uh, that they you know I photographed kids you know babies kids and these kids have grown up and then uh, having uh, some. Uh, the, of these clients going, hey, you know, we want to do something a little bit different and then coming up with that, especially as I was developing it. And they just happen to be also tied in with the sports uh, sports leagues and also influential type parents. And so it kind of, that's kind of how things have done. Now, when we're asked to market at auctions, uh, of course, that happens with everyone. Uh, yeah, I've heard, we've had pieces, people on the show the before talk showing. about auctions and, and, and using that as a, as a way to get business. Yeah, there. You know, we're we're choosing to show those pieces as opposed to, you know, the family portraits or the other of the other children's type portraits because there's so much of that. And uh, as you mentioned, Gary, I mean, that stuff stands out. It's different. It's not you know things that they're seeing. So maybe it's just because I'm a photographer. But if I walked by that, I mean, you see family yeah. uh, like right. auction marketing is big in pho- in photography now. Sure. But like, and you walk by and you see. You know, there's it's the same picture there's there's again and but again. But if I walk by and I saw, even as a photographer, I walk by and I saw like one of those beautiful sports portraits, I would stop and I, I, I'd, I'd scribble a bid down on the on the item in a second. Do you do um do you uh, do you do framing as well when you sell? Do you sell framing too? Yeah, well, so I I used to try to sell framing and I it was just so much for me. Um, He's a that simple it was man. Just overwhelming. So what I did is I worked with a local framer here. I supported another local business. And so um, she does all my framing for me. But, of course, we've also taken the, the Henry Ford approach is uh, you can have it, it'll come frame, but it's going to be in black, black or black. That's me. I have all the framing. I have all the squares, and everything. And it's just uh, it's just too much. And now I'm starting to lean towards the whole idea of I'm going to do framing and you can get it in black or you can get it in black. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and. You know, we vary the the molding width on that. But when I when I met with the lady that does the framing for me, she wanted to see my work, and then she said immediately, she's like, "Let's just do it in black. It's kind of like a guy in a black tuxedo. It never goes out of style." And well, it's black and white too. It's black and white imagery. Yeah. You don't want that in a, a gold frame, yeah. right? It's gonna go. Yeah. It's gonna look great no matter where you put it, no matter how your what your decor is like. If yeah. you're gonna buy this yeah. piece, exactly, it'll go with everything now and forever. And of course, if they don't like that, they always have the choice of, of changing it. But that's what we offer for our framing. Okay, so I think that we are pretty close to out of yeah. time here. Yeah. Um, it's been fantastic. And you know, I just no great. Exactly. <laughs> no, my <laughs> mind my mind is churning now. Well, because the thing is, I want to do something like that, but I don't. I'm, not, I'm gonna have to really. I'm gonna have to think it You're out. Have to go buy a film camera. Well, no, it's not that. But I have a connection in a world too, in that I have been doing dance pictures for six years, right. and I am convinced yeah. there is a product that I can put together that is truly unique and large that I can sell to these dance. Moms. That's what I'm taking away the most from talking to you, Pete. Is like creating a unique product is is a really great way to grow your business. And and authenticity. I, I can't tell you how much that that really resonated with me when I heard that from Sarah. You know, you want to look for something authentic. So regardless of what you're doing, if you go for something and just kind of make it authentic, you know, for your dance pictures, I mean, 
what would happen, you know, we see how dressed up they are when they start, but what do they look like at the end of the recital or at the end of uh, rehearsal? Exactly. You know, what, what do they look like? You know, exactly. There might be there. No, that's so, awesome. Well, all right, uh, rattle off uh, all your contact stuff. Um, how do people uh, find you, How Pete? do people, what's your website? So, uh, Pete Rezac Photography, and that's R-E-Z-A-C, photography.com. I'm on Instagram as P Rezac, and all I show on that is black and white. And then, of course, Facebook, you can find me at uh, Pete Rezac or Pete Rezac Photography. All right, man. Hey, thanks so much for the interview, and uh, I'm, I'm look forward to seeing um, how you're going to dominate competition next year. So continue to be awesome, and thanks for your time and giving us time on you Sunday. You bet. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Everybody. All right, and don't forget, listen, send me either on, through Facebook or email or whatever. Send me some stuff that I can put onto the uh, page, the uh, Photobomb page, so that when this episode airs, uh, people can go in and see exactly what we're talking about. I'll be happy to do that. All Thanks, right. guys. Thanks a million, Pete. Thanks, Pete. So we're uh, going to um, uh, also put a link to Pete's website and everything in the show notes. Well, there you go. So that should be... Well, there you are. Yeah, I'm, I've started to do show notes. Like, I'm you really... show notes? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I've started to add more and more into the description part of iTunes, yeah. which is where we're putting the show notes, you know? I'm surprised you have time even to do the podcast lately because you've been so incredibly busy. Yeah, well, it's actually, you know, what's funny is this, this week and next week are kind of slow for us, which is good. I haven't had a slow week in a while, and we have... Um, September is booked um, mostly, and October is getting there. So, like we actually my September, I just booked a, a wedding in September, and it's the only wedding I have booked the whole month. Wow! I mean, I'm probably doing some weddings for September. Still pretty brutal. Bobby's con- company, I'll be doing some, but I don't, but I don't have any of my own big weddings booked. The whole month was empty. However, I do have three or four places I'm going to speak, and so I'm very busy. But I'm just not. I, I didn't really realize. So I looked at my calendar that there was no. There was no nine nothing. Yeah, you have, have you ever do you ever look at your calendar on a really busy month and you have a panic attack? <laughs> oh well, see now we're talking now we're talking about October November yeah. where I've got like I have one weekend where I'm doing a full wedding on Friday, a full wedding on Saturday, and then on Sunday I fly someplace to speak. That's gonna be awesome, dude. Yeah. yeah well, and so where are you speaking coming up? Well, we're gonna be at Focus. Oh my gosh, that's, that's so right. soon. Focus. We will so be at Focus uh, September 9th through the 11th. Arguinfocus.com is the website. We'll be doing the show live. We are not we're not speaking, but we are on the program as doing the Photobomb Live. So we're going to be like after programming entertainment yes, on yes. the Sunday Which is night. to say that we are that program that they brought in because they knew they wouldn't have to pay us anything to come in and do it. So yeah. we're going to come in and do it. We're not getting paid? Oh. <laughs> no, we're not getting paid at all. <laughs> I wish people knew how much effort we went through to do this every week. How much effort do we go through? Not are you much. being facetious? Because we don't really go through much effort at no, all. No, not that much. Well, you don't. I do all the work. That's true. <laughs> you do. I do all the work up here, Gary. Yeah, you really are the brains behind the whole. I'm, I'm the mule. You're the brains. Yeah. Coming up uh, September 19th, I will be in Natick, Massachusetts. Well said. That's right. Uh, go to ppam.com, and you can come see me there at uh, the, uh, what is the, uh, I forget what the hotel is. But anyway, go to ppam.com, and uh, come see me. We're doing a full day, and uh, we'll be doing uh, wedding stuff, talking about how we do weddings, how I shoot weddings, how I became the wedding photographer that I am today, and how you can too. And also, five-minute photographer in the afternoon, teaching you how to take a picture on location, no matter who, where you are, no matter what your subject is, no matter what your lighting is, you can do it in five minutes or less. We're doing that all day long. What about you? Have you got anything coming up, yeah, or are I you do. pretty much done? I do, actually. In the beginning of October... I will be speaking at Exposed, which is the uh, convention for the Georgia Professional Photographers. Um, and that is going to be pretty cool. That's October uh, 2nd, I think, and 3rd. October 2nd and 3rd. And I will be giving a program on headshots as well as I will be judging in their competition. 
And what's really cool, this is a great lineup. We got Lindsay Adler is going to be speaking there, too. Oh, Lindsay. Which is really cool. Sure. So, yeah, I got to see her speak in um, New Orleans a few weeks back, and she's a phenomenal teacher. Unbelievable. I just kept sitting there with my mouth hanging open, all the stuff that she was like. Just, yeah. She gives such great info, really cool Yeah, she's the real me. deal. Yeah, she absolutely She's not is. one of those names that is more name, more fluff than substance. No, she's completely badass, and I'm excited to, to actually yeah. be, uh, be, attend her program <laughs> again. I think that'll be really cool. But, um, yeah, so that's I think that's that's it. You know, I got most of the stuff out of the way we, we've slowed down a bit and so although we do have the book coming out um headshots uh photographing headshots with amherst media is my book that's coming out october um don't have a specific release date yet but it will be released in october the book is done it's turned in the publisher it looks fabulous it. yeah it's I, fantastic I, I mean i i again i can't tell you reading it to this morning and looking through it i was like every single page is so loaded with information. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's really, great. really. I think it's going to be the new Bible for headshots. I really do. Oh, well, that's, that's nice of you to say for um, the, the 16 people that are going <laughs> to buy true. this book. It is going to stand the test of time. You will be the Monty Zucker of headshots. Oh, God. I, I, I wish I would like to be the Monty Zucker of anything. Yeah, meanwhile, many people listening are going, who the hell who was the Monty Zucker? Zucker? Google Monty Zucker. You'll be fine. Yeah. All right. So you can find me online at BooRayPerry.com. You can find Gary at HughesFiorelli.com. Yes, you can. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash photobomb podcast you can find our website at photobombpodcast.com you can send us questions and comments and concerns just send them to questions at photobombpodcast.com and that's it we'll see you back here next week see you later